0: Hi, everyone. When we scheduled the release of this episode, we had no idea that it would come during the week of the horrific and tragic news surrounding the Las Vegas mass shooting. Words like, our thoughts and prayers are with the victim's families, while true, don't seem to be enough. They don't stop the shock, the anger, the hurting, or the grief. We are praying, though, and want to lean in with our friends from Central Church and other great churches in the Las Vegas area who are trying to bring the peace of Christ to their community. All that Lee, Andrew, and I can say is that we trust what the Bible says, that the God we serve will bind up the brokenhearted, and that there will come a day when every tear will be wiped away. In the meantime, the church is his plan A, so we must be faithful to our calling to provide a place for people to experience the power and presence of God, especially in times like these. You are now entering the Mix U Podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Mix You Podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my great friends, Lee Fields and Andrew Stone. Fellas, how you doing? I can't believe we've made it six episodes. This is amazing. It's crazy. It's it's some
1: kind of a record somewhere. I've never done six of anything my entire life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're excited today to uh, continue our conversation later on in the episode with Pooch. For those of you who um, were in with us for the last episode, I know you can't wait for part two of our conversation with him, so we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, but guys, what's going on lately? Where you been? What you doing?
1: Uh, wait a second. I, got, I feel terrible that this isn't a video podcast, but I think... The mystery adds to the suspense. So Stone, you record these in your office. <laughs> and for the last five episodes, I've been staring at something on your back wall. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. There is a giant Burt Reynolds-sized set of bullhorns. About seven feet off the ground. And I think there's a jackalope sitting above it. It's a freaking
2: jackalope. Um, if you, so if you could see a close-up of the jackalope, he's actually got a name tag that somebody put on it on the road one time. His name is Herschel. There's a name tag hanging on around his neck. I don't know if you can see that.
1: I have an I uncle named it. Herschel.
2: Dude, Herschel rocks. He uh you cannot believe the number of people I have lied to in the universe to tell them that a jackalope is a real thing. <laughs> it's amazing. I love because it because they're looking at it, so it has to be real. So that set of horns, so that is a that is a huge set of uh, like longhorn steer horns, and they are mounted to the wall. Now I just want, I just want to go on record. I'm not a hunter, so Lee, I'm sorry. But I, I have been hunting <laughs> and I hunted quail. And uh about an hour and a half into it, I was like, this is the freaking stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and you what? shot a steer? <laughs> <laughs> no, this this set of horns was my grandfather's, uh, who's still alive. He's like 98 or something, and he's defying, you know, the odds. And when I was little He had these hanging in his, like, every, he's just a man who's kind of bigger than life, you know, when you're, especially when you're little. And these horns are, I mean, they're, they're like six feet across. They're huge. And they're mounted to this big leather thing. It's totally what you would not think I would have in my office. But when I was little, they were hanging, they were always in his office or wherever he was. He Uh, just carried
1: them around with him?
2: (laughs) Yeah. To impress this (laughs) stupid grandkid. And some somehow they ended up with me. I, I have no idea. So they're hanging in my office. And so anytime I have a meeting in here, which is a lot, people just stare at like all this crap hanging on the walls and all this stuff. And they're scared. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> did he? Because everybody hunts here. I mean, this is Willie George country. Like they kill things. Right. There's They kill bears and stuff. And I don't, I don't even know where you'd go to see a bear. So I don't have anything to do with it. <laughs> but it fits. I'm like. Of all places in the world, I work at a church and it fits to mount this huge set of longhorn steer horns on the wall. And it's, no, nothing, it's says sort of yeah, nothing says Tulsa,
0: Yeah, nothing says Tulsa like a big set of steer horns and a jackalope.
2: And a jackalope. And then there's a – so hanging from the jackalope horns. Yeah, what is that? that? A string? There is a string. So it's a noose made out of trick line <laughs> that in the noose is a peep. What color is the Easter candy? It's an Easter peep. So that one's white, and then there's another one hanging from the air vent that's blue. And here's the crazy thing: the blue one, I've had that hanging in a noose for probably 12 years. (laughs) Oh my god! Now, here's the crazy thing: it's still squishy. Like, the peep is still in the same consistency as when it came out of the package.
0: It's probably still delicious, too.
2: So, well, about three years ago, one of the crew guys lost a bet, whatever the stupid bet was. And I was like, dude, if you lose, you're freaking eating a piece of that peep. And he did. And it's (laughs) it's hanging under the air vent. I mean, think it's, it's, Oh. oh, dude, it's like the worst thing you've ever been a part of. Well, so, uh, let's, yeah, let's let's turn the corner
0: from that beautiful topic <laughs> and remind you guys um, who listened to us last time about a challenge we had for you to send us your uh, exact either quoted or written down or photos of your best sound complaints that you've received at front of house. And so, just to remind you of the flavor for some of that, um, I wanted to ask. Lee and Andrew, if you guys had any more uh, to Mm -hmm. offer to our collection so far. Yeah. Um,
1: After we we did the last one, Andrew, you remembered you had a collection.
2: I had, I had forgotten this, but uh, I just, I was like, man, I remember where all those emails go. And I have, I had put together an email file just somewhere in, in my inbox. And I have email complaints going back to 2011. (laughs) and some of them are epic some of them are actually like full-on books like it we would not read them here they're too long but uh they're awesome so i'm
0: well there was one in particular that you shared with us that i think everybody needs to hear
2: and it's uh it's so eloquent i think uh i think we can all take a real lesson from the uh just the writing style of this one so here 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 goes um this is addressed to all of our pastors at Church on the Move. Um, Your music is deafening. You need to turn it down now, please. <laughs> now, it's ended with three dots. Like they had more to say, like dot, dot, dot. There is there is nothing more. That's the end of the email. But the best thing about it is who sent it. And uh, I just thought this was pretty interesting. So after giving a command like that, and then you look at who sent it, Big white Doberman.com. <laughs> <dot> <laughs> I've never seen a white Doberman. Yeah. Uh, do they, are those well, real? Yeah. So have you looked at a Doberman? Um They're kind of deafening when they bark, too. What's going on? So All right. I'm how my, about, there's how my about you, Lee? Yeah. How about okay, you, Lee? What you got? Here's
1: what I got. This one, I think it's written by a lady, probably in her 60s. And I just think her name's Peggy for whatever reason. She didn't sign her name, but I'm just going with that. Here we go. What part of Turn the Music Down don't you understand? Sweet Mercy. I suspect Jesus was a quiet man.
0: Turn the music down. (laughs) Wow. All right. (laughs) So, your assignment, uh, your assignment once again is to send us your best. And they have to be real. We don't want you making stuff up. Send us your best real complaints, and they might be featured in the MixU media stream somehow. So uh, you can email them to us at info.mxu.rocks. And, or sorry, info at mxu.rocks. And we'd also love for you to send us other questions or uh, topic ideas or conversations that you would like to hear us have um so please send us your thoughts and your ideas but mostly your complaints because i think that's awesome we need to we need to come up with a name for this whole bit like it needs yeah. something like
1: i do like hashtag turn down the damn music but it's pretty good <laughs> i don't know if that'll fly yeah, that's i guess i just said it it didn't matter all right boys we got more events coming up
2: i'll hit them we're uh man our last two events of the year um Man, I'm telling you, this is the lifeblood of what we do. I love it. I love the banter. It's if you haven't been to a mix you one of our live events, it's this exact thing. We're uh basically just you know making fun of Lee all day, and it's it's really good. Jeff and I really enjoy that part. We do, yeah. Um, it's 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 a blast, but seriously, it's uh, this really is what's making this thing happen, and it's getting in a room with uh. 150 of your closest audio brethren and talking about the real crap that means something with uh, how we do audio in the church and how we work to be better leaders and all that stuff. So the next bit we got coming up is in Dallas, man, this one's going to be great. It's the beginning of WFX week. We're going to be there on Monday of that week. So if you've already got plans to be coming into town and spend time at that conference, come early, come a day early get in there and start it off right on Monday uh, with us. Uh, We'll be at Watermark Church up in Plano. Summit uh, Integrated is bringing us in for that one. And those guys are kicking it. They're doing some good work. We're glad to team up with them for this event. It's going to be cool. Uh, Wednesday night of that same week, we're going to be doing a a cool after party. Um, Party. That thing's going to rock, guys. It's it's uh, a party party. Party it's really for a
0: couple hundred introverts should be awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's a great way to decompress if you're an introvert. After being on the show floor all day of the first day of the show, you can come and just kind of stand quietly yeah, in yeah. a corner while we uh, have some food and drinks for you guys. And
2: That's really
0: good. Get, get to know each other a little bit less yeah. because we're all going to be just sort of shriveled up in a fetal position. But it's going to be great. Yeah. So here's the deal.
1: Here, here's the whole reason people come to trade shows and conferences. You go see gear on the floor till five. You meet as many manufacturers as you can during the day so that one of them buys you dinner that you'll never buy anything from that night. Then after dinner, you go back to the Aloft Hotel from eight to midnight and hang with all of us. That's the whole reason, people.
2: I mean, the best like part of the day plan. is eight to midnight. Let's, that's right. let's be honest here.
0: That's that's why I'm going.
2: So, exactly. Um so anyway, so that's that's a great way to rock that week. So we encourage you to check that out. Um and then uh in November, November seventh, we're gonna be in Nashville uh at Soundcheck. Come on, guys. You need to come just to go hang out at Soundcheck. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty
0: awesome. So yeah. the first time, you know, Lee last time you mentioned when Jenny went to Soundcheck and she actually met Al Gore at Soundcheck, which is there's a story there that's hilarious. He I'm created sure. the internet or something. He did. He did, but um, when the first time my wife was at Soundcheck, she was actually in the ladies room as we were about to leave, and she's standing at the sink washing her hands. And they have wa- a ladies room at Soundcheck. They do. It's 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 like the cleanest lady rooms, ladies
2: room, yeah, ladies room ever.
0: There's never a line for sure. Um, <laughs> that's because it's all dudes at Soundcheck. So for those of we you need more women. There. Um, so she's standing there washing her hands, and who walks in but Amy Grant. And it was like, I mean, st- starstruck moment. Like, she was like, you're, 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 so anyway, they met. She actually hugged her. It was, it was a moment. So you never know what's going to happen in the ladies room at soundcheck. I will never hug any man in the bathroom at soundcheck.
2: Yeah. Not going to happen,
0: man.
1: Girls are weird <laughs> that way, but hey. <laughs> it's fine. So that a one. Rody roadie. A roadie hugging Bon Jovi at Soundcheck is much different than your beautiful (laughs) wife hugging Amy Grant in the bathroom at Soundcheck.
2: (laughs) Two completely different things. (laughs) So those events, so two more left in the year. That's, that's cool. Uh, Be sure and check out the website, mxu.rocks and you can get info and tickets and all that crap. So we would, uh, we do want to say though, when you come to the events, it is Kind of a shame if you come by yourself, man we are seeing groups that, that show up to this or teams um some some people man we've had we've had senior pastors executive pastors worship leaders front of house guys volunteers staff um stage just stage managers that are interested in what's going on there's something for everybody there i'm not I'm not kidding when you come with a group you come with a few people you can walk away. Uh, actually able to talk with your team and get something out of it and grow and kind of advance this whole thing along. That's the idea. So we encourage you, if you've already bought tickets to some of them and you've did it solo, man, come on, pressure somebody, guilt them, do a guilt trip, make it happen, do some public shaming. You know, get them out there. Get some of your time does it out there with you. All the
0: time. there'll be plenty of public shaming at the event between the three of us. So just yeah. come join the party. You'll join Goodly in. True. It'll be great. I'll get made fun of for
1: being young, even though I'm in my 30s. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. But these old pieces of crap
0: beside <laughs> me, that's just what they do. <laughs> I love you guys. Yeah. Good. Well, that's what's coming up soon um, and what's coming up next. But uh, – Stone, you've done an interesting thing lately. Lee talked about um, bringing in some new capsules to yeah. do a shootout for some vocal mics last time. So tell us what you're doing with your drum mics because I think people are going to be interested in that.
2: Yeah, man, you know, we we all talk about drums. We talk about it a lot at the events, and you just know we all like live drums. So uh, we've got... So anyway, we, we're just trying to... A, B, C, some stuff, and I haven't ever actually really done it to this degree, but I've got a full set of, um, earthworks drum mics. I mean, like, and th- these, this is a pretty extensive drum rig that we, we use at our church. So earthworks has, uh, agreed to send us, and uh, let us demo an entire set, exactly kind of the, the best of the best. For everything and then we've got a dpa setup coming uh, and plus kind of our baseline is all the kind of the high-end selection that i use all the time KSM so 33s ksm 33s are the best tom mics ever rightly <laughs> yeah <it's> so awesome. <laughs> uh right now there's people looking that up um, I know, and we'll let them yeah we'll just let it happen so anyway it's cool to me because uh we're gonna able to the testing that we're going to do is um, kind of similar to what Lee talked about. Like it's very like the drums are the same exact drums, same tuning, same player, same uh, rhythms, same playing, but then divided over three completely different uh, mic packages, same console, same processing, all that. So we're excited to mess around with that, put some results up, use some of it in some of the live events, and just just actually let people hear what some of these different mics sound like in very real-world situations. We all talk about it, and we like switching out mics here and there, but I don't think I've ever done something quite this extensive. So that's going to be pretty cool to get some results going.
0: Yeah, so guys, be on the lookout, because we're going to post audio examples of each of these three setups so that you'll be able to hear you know, in context with the same kit, same player, same day, the differences and just, you know, it'll be an interesting exercise, kind of a Pepsi challenge kind of thing to just evaluate in a real world kind of situation, um, just the performance characteristics of three different setups. So I'm really excited about it. It's going to be great.
2: It may be room for more public shaming because you guys may get to make fun of my original choices and think that I'm an actual terrible engineer. (laughs) Who knows? We'll find out. (laughs) All right.
0: I think it's time, Lee.
1: There we go. I've been waiting for this for two weeks, Jeff.
0: It is time for the Mix You Soapbox. Bring it
1: on. I've actually been waiting for this one for more than a couple weeks because uh, this one happened a long time ago, probably three months ago, when I just rejoined... Church Sound Media Text. Gosh, we talk about this Facebook group a lot. That's okay. Okay, just just want to throw that out there. It's healthy
2: talk. It's good.
1: It's it's content rich, fellas. <laughs> the place is okay. So here's what happened. So a church technical leader, director, if you will, posts on Facebook a scenario he's trying to deal with, looking for some advice, dealing with a volunteer. And the scenario goes something like this. And I'll butcher this, but you'll get the uh, heart behind it. Hey, team, or hey, Facebook world. I've got a volunteer who's been training for three weeks. And upcoming this weekend is his fourth week, which he will be serving for the first time. I get an email from his mother asking me if it's okay for Johnny to miss this weekend because they got free tickets to a baseball game for the family. And she thinks it'd be great if they were able to attend end quote of which he's looking for advice on how to deal with the unreliable volunteer and lots of people post uh, down the chain of yep if he's irresponsible now he'll be irresponsible later or yeah teenagers you better learn them when they're young and so on and so forth and i'm telling you guys most of the comments were on the side of which the original poster was also posting in frustration that the kid was choosing the baseball game over serving in church that weekend. Um, then you find out a few comments later that the kid's in junior high. So let's just call <laughs> him a seventh grader, which means he's probably 13 or it's 14 probably years thir- old.
0: 13 year old kid at best.
1: And his mom emails and she's very cordial and she says, Would it be okay? And then he writes back. Hey, yeah, that's great, but just so you know, here's the expectations we have, and we try not uh, to uh, cancel last minute, and we even try and have people reschedule themselves, uh, but I'll make myself available this weekend to fix your problem. Is basically what the guy said. And I'm like, what the heck, man? Give the kid some slack. Like, he's just worried about multiplication tables, and you're worried about who's going to be <laughs> <or> like wrapping <laughs> cables this weekend. Like, come on. Like, he's going to a baseball game with his parents. I'm like, to me, greater use, Kingdom Impact, even, like, I'd go that far, the kid's spiritual life would be to spend a weekend with his parents, right? If you don't have teenagers, Jeff, you got a middle schooler now. How's that feel? Oh, it's terrible. I, I bet you know you feel like you're counting down the weekends with your daughter that she still wants to hang out with you, and she's not going to be out running around with her friends like, get away from me, Dad,
0: right? Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Right, so here's this mom who obviously they're a part of the church and doing great things, and she's emailing the guy like, hey, cut me some slack, and he is just shots fired, man. So boo on you let your junior hires have a freaking life and back the crap off
3: <laughs>
1: drop that mic right now <laughs> this mic's kind of pricey boom I this one but i should dang it come on yeah i'm all for having kids on the team like i think it's awesome teenagers we got them everywhere but if any of them call and said like hey i can't make it cuz i'm going to go hang out with my family it's like hey see you later man i did that soapbox by myself you guys got nothing you're lame
2: Dude, I'm stunned that you wouldn't expect more from your 13 year old. I just can't believe that you even say that. <laughs> Once again,
0: Andrew Stone, the spiritual gift of encouragement through sarcasm.
2: Uh, dude, when, All you, right. when you said that, like when you like when you're just relaying that, I'm kind of sitting there like I'm watching myself on this video thing. I think my face got red because I was pissed. I know. I was right? just trying it's to like think if that had happened in our in my situation here. I was just trying to figure out exactly what style I would rip the person limb from limb for even responding like that. I know. Like, no
1: kidding. I'm like, I want to send that to like the guy's senior pastor and go, like, what do you think? That can't even be real. I thought, is this real? Yeah. I, it felt like a 16 year old writing it complaining about a 14 year old, not a grown adult with a job and responsibilities.
2: I'm Sorry when I was a touring guy and a lot less nicer person than I am now, I know that's hard for you guys to imagine that I slept at night in order to wake up to encounter a person like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just because I needed to get my aggression out on them. I saw
1: a uh, meme uh, yesterday or today. It said uh, tour managing is like riding a bike, but the bike is on fire and you're on fire. And it's in hell. <laughs>
2: <That's> so right. <laughs>
1: uh, it is totally
0: true. Oh, that's, that's funny. the best worst job I've ever had.
1: Yeah, exactly. I hated it. All right, well, we're ready I, for
0: part yeah, two. Speaking of memes, I I would say this guy needs to be treated like a meme that I saw a couple of days ago. It said, "You know, some people just need a high five with a chair in the face." <laughs> <laughs> yeah agreed <laughs> we're not we're not being
1: very uplifting with this one no we're just being honest trying to prote- protect the
0: young ones
2: no well, kidding man sometimes you well, we need
0: honesty on stuff like this man well we so want to create a, we want to create a culture yeah. and this this is serious I mean we want to create a culture among our teams where young people are encouraged and welcome to serve but it needs to be a place that they actually feel encouraged and built up and that they're cared for and that they're important. And so, you know, this sort of passive aggressive communication style and this weird, like back and forth between the mom, it's like, what, what's going to make this kid want to come back? You know, this, it's just irresponsible. So we're okay
2: to be, it's, we're okay to be, uh, a little angry about this one. So with that, let's rock into another, uh, session here with our friend Pooch. He rocked us on part one, and uh, he's got some pretty cool stuff set up here for uh, this next segment. So let's jump right back into it.
0: Mix you interview, Ken Pooch Van Dritten, part two. Part two? Are you joking? This is like getting a free shot of Grand Marnier on your cheesecake. (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay well uh I, before we started recording too we were also talking about some things about fundamentals sure okay fundamentally speaking if you give me three tools um i can uh make get a, a pretty good result out of uh any situation in any band and those three things are um mike my choice well it's really four but Mic choice and mic placement are kind of together as one, okay? And um, pass filtering and then game structure. So learning about those three fundamental things and getting those things right before you start adding plugins, before you start EQing, hacking stuff up. I can't tell you how many times I've watched a guy at front of house not get up off their butt, and go move a microphone an inch, instead grab an EQ and start boosting 8 dB of stuff into it, when all they had to really do was go up there and move a microphone. Um, And the results of boosting 8 dB, you're adding, you're instituting phase into the equation, you're instituting uh, electronics into your equation, all of these things, the result of moving a microphone one inch over and getting the same result, the overall result with everything else is a hundred times better. So, right. so good. My, my choice, my placement, right? Um, and then uh, high pass filtering is the only EQ that I need to succeed, really. Um, and then after that is gain structure, and and gain structure is a tricky topic because um, it, it is another place where you can tell people you know, gain something up until it gets to zero, you know? <laughs> or, uh, you know, some people play the zero fader game for fader resolution, and they just gain things up in order to uh, put them correctly into their mix. So they don't even really think about um, what, where the setting of that game is. Right. But with electronics, and even with digital mic prees, there is a felt thing that happens with overgaining and undergaining. Um, that, that is also something that you learn over time. Um, the way that a, a an acoustical to electrical um, conversion that happens at a microphone interacts with the electrical part of a mic pre um, is they are interlinked with each other. And when you overgain something, you can cause the acoustical part of a microphone to actually do some feedback information. Um, or undergaining, it's not really getting the information, um, the best information out of whatever is placed in front of. Um, these are things that you learn about um, as, you know, you put things in front of a, a something and you, g- you know, gain it up until it's yeah. in blood and then <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> listen to it and then gain it down and listen to it and then gain it to where you think it should be and you'll kind of discover there are three completely different sounding things. Um so get those fundamental things right and then you don't have to do the dynamic eq. I know this was a long way to come to where you were just saying. It's so yeah, true I though. I have to put a sticks on my mix bus because I've gotten my I've gotten all of the other things right
2: first. Yeah. Um yeah. does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Man, the what you said about being too lazy to just go up there and go man, move the mic. Are you you serious? Like, like you don't need a tape measure to figure out your drum distance and stuff. Just go put the mic in the right spot.
3: Or think
0: about back in the day when engineers in the studio were actual engineers in lab coats and all they had was mic placement and game. That's right. And any EQ that was accomplished was because the mic was either directly on axis or a little bit off axis or a little bit, you know, a little bit more or less proximity effect, and those things are, are such a lost art because guys think, well, I've got my show file on a jump drive, and I think I know how to use this console, so I guess none of the rest of it really matters, and it's so backwards. We need, totally. to, get, we need to get back to actually understanding what the source means. So good.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I started, you know, where I learned this, it's hilarious. I, I started as a recording engineer. Um, I went to Berkeley College of Music and then I, I moved to Los Angeles in the late 80s and started working at Ocean Way as a, an assistant engineer and was also producing and engineering my own things. But I got to sit behind some of the best engineers in the world. Um, one, one day, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, probably live guys don't know a lot about Ocean Way, but Ocean Way has, one of the biggest mic collections in the world it's it's like you walk into their mic room and it's you know every amazing microphone you've ever heard of they have 20 of them so um i was an assistant engineer um for this engineer named jeff skunk baxter um <laughs> he's a really famous producer engineer um he's also like a, uh uh he works for the government now he's like some weird missile guy now. Anyway, he's an amazing producer. Um, and so I there was no information about the game. Um, so I went into the mic room and I kind of got the usual suspects out and I laid them out on the cart and I was wheeling them into the studio and uh, you know, um, Skunk walked in and he looked at me and he looked at the microphones and he went, no, 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 And I said, what? You know, okay, what do you want? And he said, I want all 57s. And I said, okay, uh, all right. So I went to every studio, uh, and I got like 50 57s, um, and he did his entire session with 57s. And what he would do is he would have me, the assistant, sit there with a pair of headphones uh, and with uh, a mic stand and the 57 and move the microphone a half an inch, and then he would say, hold on, hold on through the top back. And then he would listen to it for a second. He would say, okay, move it to the left. Okay. I'd move it about half an inch. He'd say, okay, hold on, stop. That's good. And he did that with every single microphone. And I would have to say it's one of the best sounding sessions that I've ever heard. Wow. So it's. It's about the placement as much as it is about the mic choice. Now, I I don't subscribe to that. It's like, it's not like I'm going to do 57s on everything. You know, I really, I truly believe that there is right tools for the job. Uh, You bring uh, certain microphones for certain jobs. Um, However, uh, what that taught me, and I will never forget is how important mic placement is and, you know, we literally spent the entire day moving microphones about a quarter of an inch.
2: Wow. Dude, that's unbelievable, but it does show you, you can do that in any application. That's right. You can do that in any application. Um, we were talking about um, when we, when we interviewed Zito uh, an episode or two back, he was talking about drum mics and we talked, we talked some about drum overheads and all that. And we made a comment before we started recording earlier. Was this, when you, when you pull up like a set of Mojave's is what we were talking about. Mojave overheads. Yeah. And what you can hear from that tool is is there's something unique about that. And not to get off on the drum mic thing again, but all of the tools that we have that, are, that a lot of these places, churches, live gigs, all that, have available to them are amazing tools. It's exactly that. It's a tool that I don't know if we have as much respect for as we could. You think about it and go, let's just think about a vocalist. How many times do we hack up the EQ on a vocalist or that's the tendency Let's go nuts. Oh, man, I've got a plug-in to fix that. You know what? Let me, uh, me sidechain that into another plug-in to fix that. Oh, and then let me bring yeah. that back into the console. Let me see how I can fix all this stuff. Now, some of that's cool as effects and all that, but why don't you just go down there and, A, help them get some real microphone technique and maybe change the capsule. 100%. Yeah. start there and it's amazing what you can do and all of a sudden you put your eq trims back where they were you clean up your noise floor got lower because you don't have all this crazy gain that you've put in on stuff it's such a simple procedure why why is that so hard for some guys to sort out is it because the gear's cool is it because the console's cool is it because it's a long walk to front to the stage? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think
3: that some guys get lost in um, the gear. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people think I'm like the plug-in guy, right? You know, which it's funny because I, I'm not really. I, I I think that Waves and some other companies make some amazing tools. Um, but I'm not the guy that's using 62 plugins on a 20 input band, you know. Um, I, I get all the other stuff right first, and then use plugins as the cherry on top of the sundae, you know. Um, but people, I think, lose focus. Uh, when I first started mixing, I started asking my friends, who are not musicians, by the way. Um, guys that were just average concert goer people, I would ask them what they liked, um, about my mix or didn't like about my mix. You know, they'd come to a club show or whatever. So it's stuff when I was first starting to do live stuff and people that are not musicians, the first thing they always talk about is I could hear the vocal or I couldn't hear the vocal. I could understand the vocalist or I couldn't understand the vocalist. So this tells you what the most important thing in your mix should be. It's vocals, period. The people that come to shows don't care what the snare drum sounds like. Sorry, but they don't. So what they care about is that they heard every single word that came out of that vocalist's mouth while they sang and in between the songs. So when someone starts uh, doing a line check and they start with kick drum, uh, I say, well, hold on a second. (laughs) Is, is kick drum the most important thing? Because that's where you're starting with. Um, and so I, you know, I'm really a proponent of starting with vocals and making sure that the, the sound of the vocal mic by itself, because it is the, the hottest thing in your mix. So it's picking up everything on your stage. It should sound right. And so what comes with that is choosing, like you said, the right capsule um, for that singer um, and in worship for sure, having discussions about mic, uh, technique, you know, um, you know, keep that microphone up, right up on you. I'll do the rest, you know, that's right. Um, help me so I can help you. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, you know, and that's the most important thing that you should be worried about. The rest of it will all come together. Um, but, but along with that is, is all of what we just talked about, gain structure and high pass filtering and the right mic choice for the vocals
2: man that is uh, a <laughs> so tell me about this so you're gonna go out with someone that you haven't you've only heard them uh, on on demos or on albums or something like that you don't actually have much experience yet with their individual mic technique where do you start where <laughs> do you as a front-house guy start you know I mean that could apply to anybody listening like where do you actually start use your own voice do you get up there and I, make, a, make a choice based on what you saw them, how they sang online somewhere or? Yeah. So, you know, it used to be a
3: lot harder, right? Like when I first started, there wasn't the internet. So you couldn't like, you know, right. you, you couldn't do your research before you started working for somebody. Now, uh, when I get a call to work for someone, I do a heavy amount of research, not only studying their songs, but also studying any sort of live situation youtube whatever that they've done before um and try to determine from that like you know what looks like it is working for this artist or what maybe that's not working for them at all um and try to make decisions like that but um i uh will show up to um an artist thinking that i'm going to use one capsule and end up with about for, before I get to the one that I think's right for, Hmm. for them. Um, and luckily most of the situations that I've ever been in, the artists are willing to go down that road. Um, even, uh, some artists are way into it. Like Lincoln park was, we had a mic shootout, a vocal mic shootout, and we actually got, um, 13 or 15 of the top, uh, capsules. Wow. uh, and we covered up all of the, uh, the emblems on stuff. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, us sound guys kind of knew which ones were which. But within the, the manufacturer, you may not know, um, you know, what. Right. what but, but definitely the artists we were. And we numbered all of them. And at the end, we gave everyone an opportunity. We would, we would you know, run through a song um, using a, a microphone, come back and listen uh, on near fields. This is during a rehearsal period. Um, and all of us, you know, would end up, you know, choosing whatever number and you, you would be very surprised how many, uh, top microphone capsules that people use all the time, um, went away very quickly in the beginning. You know, we narrowed it down to like four out of the 13, um, very quickly. Um, now granted there were a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, parameters with that you know um link apart he had to be able to scream into it he had to be able to cup it he had you know all those kind of things make microphones go away very quickly but it was very telling for me microphones that i had been using for years when i put them up against other ones i was like why have i been using that microphone (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> but you never I mean who would have the opportunity to sit there and go through it like that
3: i know i was very lucky and we we spent like a week no, lincoln park is notorious for doing you know weeks of rehearsals and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Of rehearsals. uh so we we literally spent a week during rehearsal swapping you know microphones in and out of it um and finally ended up on on something that uh made a lot of sense for them
2: dude that's killer that's really so cool. i'm yeah, I, I love that. And that's a I love that that's a testament, too, to keep talking about and encouraging people to um, use the tools at our disposal. I love even when we talked about, you know, in in the world we live in and the PAs that a lot of us have ability to mix on, even at very small places, small churches, a lot of them have really killer PAs that, like, we would have killed for on doing on some crappy club date, you know, Oh man, It's ago.
3: amazing. I go to some of these worship places and I'm like,
2: you guys have way better tools than I have, you know, with a huge <laughs> <arm>. <laughs> But know, it's, it's all a- about learning how to use them. For sure. And fundamentals. Those, it's fundamental. Fundamentals.
3: fundamentals, you, fundamentals I, right, then,
2: you know. Yeah, that's huge. We did a, I, I did a session for somebody. I think it was sponsored by Yamaha or something. And um, I didn't have a lot of time. It was like a two hour training thing with people on, on consoles. And All I knew how to do was get them into building this 32 channel mix using um, like it was all, it was pre-recorded tracks. You couldn't do mic placement, but we didn't even get into gates, compressors, plugins, effects, nothing. It was high pass filters. Yep. That was it. It was high pass filters, barely even touched EQs. And believe it or not, everybody in the room like comes out with a reasonable sounding mix. I know. It's like, all you got to do is clean this stuff up and understand that's what the it. tool is. Yeah, high pass, low cool. pass
3: filtering, man, is the key to life.
1: <laughs> that reminds me of something I heard recently. Uh, Manny Marroquin, he's a studio mixing guy, really famous. He, to add energy from verses to the chorus, he talks about just changing high pass and low pass filters. So instead of like adding volume, you know, let's say the kick drum on the verse is high passed to 40. But then on, when the chorus hits, he drops it to 20. Oh, that's and he'll great. Do cool. That. That's cool. Yeah, he'll do that over the whole console. And I've been thinking, like, I wonder if that's something we should be doing to create, like you're talking about, create more dynamics, like with our snapshots. What if you're just changing high-pass and low-pass filters just to create more energy on the top and bottom? And that stuff's not going to set your meters off either.
3: I think 100% that's a great idea. I haven't um, I I haven't really done that Um I'm trying to think. Most of the time, I don't scope high pass filtering. I think I leave it where it is for the most part. Um, so, yeah, man, I think that would work great. You know, probably not as much as as you know taking a, a uh, whatever a, a microphone and that's normally high pass at 125 and knocking it completely out. That's going to get a little crazy, right? And, right. But, but doing a, a small shift from 125 to 80 for impact would be that's really cool. That's a great idea. I love it.
2: And I like what you said about um, using your mix bus uh, as, as a push. So that could also work, I guess, if you're doing a live rock show with lots of uh, explosions, you could probably go the other way, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, pull it down. But a lot of us don't even touch the, the left, right. I know. Bus. I mean, it just kind of sits there. And in fact, on a lot of digital consoles, you can bury it because you don't really even need to think about it. But that's a really cool way to think about that. Is to, I, I like uh, something I jotted down was, um, the style you can apply based on the artist. So if you talk in church, you know you you've got the guy who's trying to find impact at 98 dB.
3: Yeah, wait it. Okay,
2: yeah, that's a that's a challenge. You have got to figure that out. But what makes it um get a little more realistic is if you're not afraid to go soft. And I like what you said earlier is like, bring it down to a whisper. When they go into the the little – uh, the the vamp in between big moments, don't be afraid to take that down dynamically. Make I think people lean into it, you know. Yes.
3: Make people go like, what, what is going on
2: right now? So, because when it gets big, it's huge. You know? Right. That's good. Um, learning when to use your subs and when not to use your subs. Sometimes if you lay off the subs and then you actually put them in it, not quite – you don't have to go super crazy it feels it's the perceived volume for sure i think i think that's i think there's just some cool parallels between rock touring concert touring and churches like you can apply some of this stuff to it 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 all works it's all physics it's all audio that's really cool totally agree
3: I, i think that um you know the difference between a mix of people going, yeah, uh, that was pretty good sounding and people going, Whoa, that was awesome is little stuff like that. Um, you know, doing thinking about, um, you know, we have the tools to do this stuff. Like, like literally when I first started mixing, um, you know, we were high fiving when you could hear the vocal, you know what I mean? (laughs) It was like, well, you heard the vocal all night. It was awesome. Right. But now it's all about, you know, a record quality mix with impact. Um, and so the little things that you do, like what you said, you know, bringing the subs in in certain places or changing yeah. the filter or whatever, are, is the difference between someone saying your mix was great and someone saying, holy boy, that was an <laughs> amazing service. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and those are and those are small little differences, but if you do enough of them, that's what will set you apart as a mixer. You know?
0: Well, I think the cool thing is that people don't have to be able to describe what they heard; they just know how it felt. And what exactly. we're talking about is, you know, we talk about impact. That's a that's a feeling. That's emotion. That's that's where the art happens. And you know, I think some of our listeners are going to think, "Gosh, you guys are having this conversation and." you're all waves guys like what what is up with this no plugins and so it's it's just great for me because it's like you know what we have to start in a different place and I think you know we it's it's helpful to remind ourselves sometimes that as great as those tools are you know what you were talking about with your basic tool set of mic choice and mic placement uh high pass filter and gain structure that's like going to a carpenter and saying hey can you build a house with a hammer, a wrench, and a screwdriver? And he would probably say, absolutely. Right? So yeah. it's like, yeah, you could use a compound miter saw, but you know what? You can get a lot done with your basic tools. And I think yeah. that's just such a, such a great reminder for all of us.
1: Yeah, 100%. I don't
0: know what a miter saw is.
3: My yeah. wife does have one. I so. your, your, I don't, wife, your wife does I, mean, I don't does think those one. were
2: built. Those were, That's that's something that's uh, for, for your time. It's great. Okay. So, oh, so I'm going to throw, uh, Pooch, I'm going to throw something at you. I was looking at uh, some of the album credits you have from way back when. Yeah. And uh, you had one listed on there that I couldn't believe. In fact, I read it twice and I was like, what the heck? Really? And obviously, in today's day and age, I don't have nobody has any cd jackets to look at you know to to remind themselves of all the cool credits but you've got tony 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 here the sons of soul album dude Uh, what year was that do you even remember (laughs) that's like uh, 91 or something 93 Lee wasn't born yet
3: (laughs) yeah um that was actually, you know, um, that was my first um, platinum record and um, my first two gold singles that I did as an engineer.
2: Um, did, did you, you know, know? Did you know? In the process of that record, that that was going to be huge. Did anybody know? Yes, and did. here's
3: why. So they were in a in a space um, where they went. They had a, a pretty big record before that one. Uh, and so they took all their record company money and went to Trinidad uh, to record this record. Okay. So they went to Trinidad, they were there for four months and didn't record one song. So the <laughs> record, company, record company said, okay, knuckleheads, you guys are coming, come back to Los Angeles. Um, and, um, we're going to put you in the cheapest studio in LA and we're going to put you in the, and give you the cheapest engineer and you guys are going to finish this. And and that's really how it happened. I was a young kid. Um, and I was working at a studio called Paramount Recording Studios in Los Angeles. And, um, it was, you know, it was a $30 an hour studio, you know, Um, Wow! and they, they, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I was the engineer that pulled the, the, you know, by pure chance, I was the house guy that pulled the the card to do Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, it wasn't like they were, you know, they didn't look at my resume and say, Hey, we're going to hire Pooch, you know, <laughs> to do this. Um, it was, I just got the gig cause I was like the cheapest guy there, you know? Um, but uh, it became very clear to me about a week into recording it. Uh, just how talented those guys were, um, um, and uh, it was definitely you know one of those moments where I'm sitting around and and they're you know working on a song, uh, and I'm just like oh, the song's gonna be huge, you know.
2: Yeah, uh, like so, when you start hearing the hook take shape and just go, wow. So, yeah. Well, so Lee, I would encourage you to look this up. I wore this freaking disc out. Uh, listening to it at night on after shows you get in the tour bus and you're just trying to relax. Cause there's no, uh, back then, I don't think there was tracking satellite and stuff on the buses yet. So you kind of had to amuse yourself. That's and funny. I wore don't that. St-
1: me. I, I remember seeing them play live on in living color. <laughs> <laughs> because they their were career. awesome. Yeah. So my dad would let me watch In Living Color as a nine-year-old in 93. So there dude.
2: you go. <laughs> so God, so Pooch, perhaps so it's by accident, perhaps it's by accident, but man, that uh, that record just sounded great. Because I think what I liked about it was it was a cool mixture of live stuff. And there was a lot of the hip hop starting to get in there. There were some, some, all the old analog samples were starting to happen and really... It was, I don't know. That record felt like a, a cool merge of that, like where the, it hadn't all gone to just samples. There was still felt like there was a lot of live stuff still happening.
3: There uh, was, yeah. Um, it was definitely, you know, I, during that time period I was also doing a, a bunch of rap stuff, you know, rap was huge. And so Ice yep. Cube worked out of that, out of Paramount quite a bit. Um, and, uh, some other guys, uh, I did a, Mexican rapper. I did a bunch of records with this guy named Kid Frost. And, uh, so, uh, you know, we, I was doing a lot of rap. So a lot of what I was doing was literally guys showing up, um, and not having any music at all. They would show up with, um, a a book that had, um, some sort of verse that they'd written and they'd say, okay, here, I've written this verse. So make me a beat. So I'd be like, I'd be literally like the, you know, uh, the, the one white guy in the room who knows how to operate the MPC-60, oh, you know, and, and uh, I'd make a beat for him, you know, and be like, all right, here you go. And and actually some of those records are huge records that are just stupid beats that I made, you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah. that I didn't get any credit for or get any piece of or, you know, any of that. Um, so that was the time period, right? So it was refreshing when Tony 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 showed up because they yeah. were musicians, right? They played yeah. drums. Played yeah. guitar they played you know
2: they were um, a real band
3: that's right um yeah. so cool. yeah that was it was a it was an awesome time period uh, it was a little hardcore too though i mean we were um the studio booker would um make sure that they wouldn't book the crips in studio a and the Bloods of b uh, because if they met in the hallway, there was going to be a gunfight.
2: Oh, come on.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, that was literally happening, you know? Um, and I lived at that studio for like three or four years. Um, just like literally like sleeping on the couch and working 20 hour days.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, well, dude, that was, uh, I'm just saying when I saw that pop up, I was like, all right, that's where it all comes <laughs> home right there. That was cool. Yeah. I, uh, and that, you somewhere... know, like,
3: right place at right time. It wasn't even like, you know, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> Totally, like lucked into that. You that know? that makes it even better. That's yeah. that's, that's that's all right. Awesome. Well, any which way, Kid uh,
1: Frost uh, on the other hand, that's a different yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, well, what I think hey. Kid Frost would be a great name for Stone. Yeah. Kid, hey, yeah. there hey, you Kid go, Frost. That's right. Yeah.
2: I'll take it. Whatever, man, Pooch, you, uh, the stuff you've thrown out here has been great. I can't thank you enough for jumping on here with us. This is this well, stuff. Man, the stuff we're talking about is huge. It hits every single one of us as we get behind a console, as we lead from behind a console, as we try to give input and produce behind a console. I mean, all this is great stuff. Learning how to use, you know, the fundamentals, basic, basic stuff that sometimes we lose sight of. I, It's, it's really great and refreshing, I think, to hear someone of your stature like, just throw it out there, like plain and simple. I mean, cool. we're just going back to like, while sometimes we just lose sight of it because we uh, look at all the cool sure. bells and whistles and, and all that stuff in front of us but can't thank you enough for being on here this has been a real real treat just to uh, kind of and, and allowing me to reminisce on the Tony 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 I mean <laughs> I think that's the best part of the whole interview
3: it's so funny everybody that's going to hear this is like going to be like
2: who's Tony Tony, Tony, who, the Tony? Is who the crap is that who the crap is that band and, and it's they're going to immediately it's tell our age. way, so
0: they're not going to know how to look it up
2: <laughs> yeah right
0: Right, <laughs> right. That's
2: fine. Well, man, thanks a ton, man, and, and Godspeed on your travels and all that. Be sure and stay safe out there as you're gallivanting around the world doing your thing. We we appreciate your time tonight.
3: Thanks so much, guys. It was really a lot of fun, and I'd love to do it again sometime. Awesome. Oh, oh, we'd love to have you, man. We'll let
2: you. Yeah. All
1: right, that wraps it up for. Pooch. And like we said there at the end, we're definitely going to have this guy back. I know I've got a bunch of questions I want to ask him, like one specifically the next time around is a lot of the biggest names that he's mixing, you know, the Jay-Z's, Justin Timberlake's, Katy Perry, a lot of people in the industry say it's just as much about your engineering ability as it is your ability to be able to stand in that seat and stand behind the desk in that environment. And I want him to talk about that. We don't, Often get people that are mixing that big axe in here, so I want to I want to dig down and what that exactly means. Um, another That's thing great. I was personally challenged on as an engineer is, um, you know, we're talking about drum mics and things like that, and you know, adding a bunch of gain to things, and you're you're invoking phase and you know, jacking stuff up. It really made me rethink the way I do drums because if you look at a lot of my drum EQs, which you're never supposed to look at it, but I'll be known to take the gain on a microphone, an EQ channel, and just dime it on drums to get it as bright as I want, especially on things like a snare drum where I'm using a SM57 or a Beta 57. Well, now I'm going, maybe I should try some of those, um, you know, those pencil condensers that people are using on snare Mm -hmm. tops that have got more top end on it. And then I won't have as much like bleed from the hi-hat and things like that. So, that's something I took away that I'm gonna try yeah um, so yeah looking forward to getting behind a, uh, the other end of the drum kit and swapping some mics out That's really yeah, cool. That's the cool.
0: other the other thing I loved about what he said about fundamentals is just so important. We gotta always go back to okay what can I do with the right mic in the right place and just sort of a high pass filter and a simple tool to go, okay, can I get close? with minimal tools so that i'm not overly reliant on plugins i'm not hyping every channel on eq it's just an interesting thought process i'm with you lee it's like okay am i doing certain things just because it's you know a rut that i've gotten into or it's because i think i'm supposed to yeah or or because i have these tools then i feel like i have to use them Um, you know so it's a good challenge i think it's a great it's going to be a great thing for us three to kind of walk away from this and experiment on our own to go, okay, yeah. what what am I doing that might be a little a little much that I could maybe dial back and get equally great results.
1: And I think the biggest trap that a church engineer can fall into is the microphone placement thing. For a lot of guys their stages never move. The drums have been in the same place for years and the microphones have been the same for years and there've been no reason to move them. So it's really easy just to stand behind the console. So if you can't go swap microphones out because that's expensive and you don't have a budget, that's no problem. But start moving the mics around, you know, move them to the opposite side of the drum, do some crazy stuff and just experiment and see if you can get different sounds out of the drum kit that way. Guitar amps the same way, you know, especially a guitar amp, moving a guitar mic a half an inch in four or five different directions could give you different results every single time you move it.
2: Something that he, uh, when we were listening to him talk about, uh, I brought up the the Tony 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 thing. Something about that while he was responding, I thought was really cool, and it it may apply. You know, we all of us have been in the situations where like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Whatever. Especially, I think we find it prevalent in churches. You know what? Man, it's always the grass is always greener somewhere else. That kind of thing. I love the way he, you know, we brought up that old record and I, uh, and that old band that that I thought was just an awesome band out of the early '90s, and he basically is like, I was in the right place at the right time, and I had there was no there was no plan. You kind of take that to like a more of a spiritual example, be like, you never know, guys, like Mm -hmm. when you're supposed to be in the right place at the right time. I think a lot of us, I've I am certainly guilty of this. We stand around expectant for what's in it for us. Like you know, hey, I'm serving the church, but how am I going to get? What am I going to get from this? Is it a paycheck? Is it a? Is this a a stepping stone to something cooler, something better? All that. I wonder if sometimes we're in. We need to be in the right spot because of what we're here to give someone else. That's good. Or if, or do we have something to offer somebody else? Uh, So that may not. I think there's a if you read between the lines a little bit on that part of that podcast, it's it it can mean a lot to some, to all of us. Of going, yeah. just be respectful of where you are. You never know what's going to happen, and all of a sudden he's uh, the guy mixing a record that's a uh, multi platinum. Who knew? Yeah, Who knew? I think God
0: God just wants us to have a heart that's available you know right. and whether that's serving in our current role or whether that's preparing us for what God has next for us or what our leader and our direct report if we're a staff person has next for us i think it's just you know a heart of humility that says i'm available and i'm going to serve the very best way that i can where i am now as a way to prepare me for what's next and i think you know he's a perfect example of you know we never know what may hang in the balance of our willingness to just be available. And it's such a great lesson. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for being with us. And we're just so excited about Dallas that's coming up soon, the Monday of WFX week. So please join us in Dallas if you can. We'll be at Watermark Plano campus. You can get your tickets at mixu.rocks. And if you're in Dallas, do not miss to hang on Wednesday night. We're going to have a great time partying together. We'll send you details on the specifics around that as well. So until next time, keep rocking. We can't wait to see you soon. Bye.